Hello and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture, and we can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. We are embracing the cold this week and looking at a folklore figure that most of us in Western countries know, if not by the name I'm using, by another. But beforehand, I'd really recommend grabbing a hot chocolate and snuggling up in a big duvet before this episode. Yes, this week we are looking into one of the personifications of winter, Jack Frost. Jack Frost is actually a really difficult one to summarise and describe for this week, as he doesn't really have a defined look or appearance that I can reference. However, he is mostly depicted as an elf or sprite-like creature that either causes the mischief or becomes the hero of the story he's in. I'll go over some descriptions though. Most depict him with icy blue hair, pale skin and bright blue eyes, much like, scarily, the White Walkers from Game of Thrones. He is very slim and tall and usually has a staff to sometimes use his magic, as well as a paintbrush and a bucket of paint. The reason he's so hard to describe though is that he's actually just a personification. Sometimes he's not even humanoided, so to say. He's the very literal personification of Winter, and is sometimes a variant of Old Man Winter himself, which we know is technically just a saying or an idiom for this kind of thing. He is responsible for the symptoms of the seasons changing over from summer to winter, including painting the leaves full orange or leaving frost on windows and causing the nipping of the icy winds when humans are out in the cold, especially toes, fingers, ears and noses. However, another one of his powers is to empower people to have fun in the winter months so that people believe in him and bolster faith in him and his counterparts. So snowball fights, snowman making, all of those kind of stuff, even cosy little bits that I described at the beginning and recommended, that would all be something that would bolster Jack Frost's lovely personality. However, in terms of description, that's about it I'm afraid. It's quite sparse in this one because he just doesn't theoretically exist as a physical being. He's much more of a spirit and a personification, as I said, so it gets a bit complicated. But we'll move on to etymology, which is slightly more interesting. You might be wondering, his name is Jack Frost, Erin, I'm not sure how much there is to digest here. Well, it's interesting, because Jack is a name, and Frost, because he is frosty, right? But there is more to that. Jack is actually a very English name, and back in the day, was known as a kind of throw-around name, much like Tom, Dick and Harry is now. Or if you didn't know what to call someone, you would call them Jack, such as Jack the Lad or Jack of All Trades, for example. And actually, another monster that we'll cover in the future is called Jack, Jack Springfellow from English folklore, who, of course, we'll cover in another episode. But he's another really interesting one where it's this almost John Doe type of name, but it's a really common old-timey name for an English man. The frost part of his name is just that. That part isn't interesting. It's just Frost. But you may be thinking, well, Erin, 
you have said that it was named by the English, but you've not specifically told us where this monster is from. Well, it is most likely from Anglo-Saxon times, and also a little bit of Norse mythology. That is our best guess here. The Anglo-Saxons were the old-timey Brits, and were very heavily linked to the Norse culture due to the Viking invasion, and also just the general proximity and similarities between our two nations. The Vikings invaded England in the 8th century, and the biggest invasion was that in 793, so we know that it's going back from around that kind of time, or even possibly before, whilst the Anglo-Saxons were making their kind of setups, I suppose. If you're into The Last Kingdom as a series on Netflix, that really described the way the Vikings swept across the country at this time, and it was very much the Danes versus the Anglo-Saxons. So you can imagine, it goes back to around the 8th century. It is quite an old myth. However, the first actual mention of him was in the 1734 book called Rounds Around Our Coal Fire, which doesn't have an author listed with it, unfortunately. In the first chapter, it says, when Jack Frost commonly takes us by the nose, which means that Jack Frost was already established as a folktale very much beforehand, although this might just be a turn of phrase rather than a character of his own right, which we thought about earlier. Therefore, realistically, we have to put this creation mostly in the hands of the English. But we do have the Norse to thank for the potential namesake, which are almost confirmed as two minor gods, Jokul and Frosty, the gods of ice and frost. Now these were the sons of Kari, or the god of the wind. Kari was one of the three sons of Ymir, the first being that most of the Norse world is built out of. So we do think that there might be some links here to the Norse mythos with these two names. It might be the Jack Frost English version of the name too, but there's nothing actually to link them over other than the Brits potentially hearing this from the Norsemen. But we don't think the Vikings were generally using Jakul and Frosty, these minor gods, to personify the nipping of toes in the cold. However, it does make sense though that we moved away from this folklore to get away from Norse myth. As in Britain, our winters did get milder, whilst the Scandinavians are still bitter cold in their winters to this day. And the patterns that show up to show that he's nearby are much easier to spot in the dark. And considering the Scandinavian countries, including Denmark for example, in the winter it gets dark around 2.30pm. And I've witnessed this myself, I've been in Denmark in the winter time, and it is so miserable at that time of day because it just is so dark. So it makes sense that the myth might be more prevalent there with the frost giants. It makes complete sense. Maybe there are two versions of this myth, one in Scandinavia and one in the UK. We just don't know. But tracking the origin is quite hard to find when you have these two cores that come from around the same time and around the same location. There are actually other deities that Jack Frost is very often associated with from other cultures, such as Boreas from Greek mythology, who was the god of the north wind and the winter. He was known to cause the winter by blowing his ice-cold breath all over Thrace when the winter struck, and the seasons were then changed by Persephone, the goddess of spring and the queen of the underworld, who would, of course, every winter depart from her mother Demeter, the goddess of the harvest for the underworld. In her mourning, she would turn the winter and make it very miserable and cold to reflect her mood of her daughter's loss. Another is Dead Morose, or Father Frost, from Slavic folklore. 
He would go around on a sleigh pulled by six white horses, dressed in furs and protecting you from the winter winds if you were good, and leave you to freeze to death if you were bad. Sounds familiar? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Although a little harsher than Santa Claus we know in the Western world, Dead Morose is much more associated with St Nick now rather than Jack Frost. But you can kind of see the original link there in folklore. So why don't we hear about Jack Frost nowadays? Well, it's actually pretty easy. Because if you're from a more developed country who experiences colder weather, we now have double glazing in most houses here, especially in the UK, but also in Europe, where the weather is colder and our houses are just very, very well insulated. This is why we get annoyed when Americans complain about us complaining about heat waves, because our houses are designed to not let the heat out, and we don't have aircon because it's historically not been hot in this country. So during heat waves, we struggle because our houses keep the heat in, and people do die. We're not just being British and dramatic. So why does this all matter? Now there is double glazing and better preparation for winter weather, the telltale sign of Jack Frost, that frosty lovely pattern on windows that you get that looks like snowflakes, is no longer possible unless you're in a really, really cold place. You can still see it on planes, of course, when you get to very high altitudes. And yes, of course, the cold in your extremities is still very prevalent when it's cold, but not many people would say it's Jack Frost nipping at your nose anymore. They'd just say it's bitterly cold outside or the wind is really cold. The only person who would say that is Nat King Cole, I would guess. So he has just kind of melted out of our lives in Europe, especially the more developed countries that now have all of these functionalities to keep him away and at bay. And as well as that, we have better developed clothing so that we're not getting as cold whilst we're out. And of course, if you are in those really, really cold environments, I'm sure they talk about Jack Frost all the time. But unless you're in the alpine life or skiing all the time, I don't think he's going to come up very often. There is a certain thing about Jack Frost on the internet though. Following the release of the Rise of Guardians film, which came back in 2012, and people were obsessed with this character. I mean, especially on Tumblr, which was very, very popular back then. I recommend that you don't look these up. If you have your not safe for work filters on and don't want to be horrified at what you see, you know, or don't. It's your funeral, I suppose. Now, on to modern media, speaking of which, we have a few, but not a crazy amount this week. They are actually for Jack Frost, so it's always fun when they're more specific. For art, I would really recommend looking into independent stuff this week. You will most likely get a lot from The Rise of Guardians, although, again, avoid Tumblr for this character. It's not a pleasant experience. But my favourite portrait is actually Jack Frost by Thomas Nast from 1865, which depicts him as a soldier in the American Civil War. It's a really cool image. I really recommend looking at it. In movies, we have Rise of the Guardians, Rankin Bass Jack Frost, The Ugly Duckling, Jack Frost from 1997, Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman, Jack Frost from 1998, to which I would stress these two are not the same series. One is serial killer and horror, one is very innocent, just to let you know. We also have Morozko and the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause. For TV, we have Rosario plus Vampire, Jack Frost, Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, and Frosty's Winter Wonderland. 
In video games, we have ones such as Scribblenauts, Shin Megami Tensei, Adventure Quest, City of Villains, Granada Espada, Oversoul, Persona, Jack Bros, Guild Wars, RuneScape, Magic Sword, Killing Floor, Ragnarok Online, Rise of the Guardians game, and The Sims Freeplay. And my book recommendation this week is for Winter Tales by Dawn Cassie, for some really lovely winter stories from myths all around the world, and also the Penguin Book of Christmas Stories from Hans Christian Andersen to Angela Carter, which has a load of different holiday stories if you're into Christmas stories especially too. Angela Carter's a fantastic writer, as is Hans Christian Andersen for fairy tales, so really recommend these. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Now, I'm going to say no for this one, mainly because it kind of proves itself, right? It's more of a personification of winter. To literally personify the winter in this elven spirit who causes trouble and is a holiday icon, I can totally imagine kids causing trouble and figuring this out and being told that, oh, he's going to get you and stuff like that. So I think the whole horror movie thing comes into that quite well as well. (laughs) Also, I imagine it's kind of like other holiday icons, and I won't say who in case kids are listening, but it's nice to kind of imagine something to do with that kind of holiday spirit and the cold that is causing those kind of effects on your body and is causing you to have all of this fun and causing the snow to fall and causing presents to come and all that kind of stuff. However, I do actually like the idea of this mischievous spirit going around causing your ears such intense frostbite that you think you'll never be able to feel them again. That's fun, I guess. I actually used to walk to school back in the day, and it was a good 25 minute uphill to my school, and I remember walking in like solid minus two snowstorm back in 2009 or something like that, and thinking that my ears and nose were going to fall off. So maybe that was Jack Frost. Who knows? But what do you think? Did Jack Frost roam the winter skies? Let me know on Twitter, I would really love to know what you think about this one. But what an interesting monster. It's certainly a little bit different than something we'd usually cover, but I think it was a good monster for the winter, I suppose. I honestly didn't think I'd have enough content for this one, so I am pretty happy with the way this has turned out too. Next week though, we're heading over to Slavic mythology, which I don't think we've done in a long while. And we're looking at someone amazing, an absolutely legendary cryptid. So watch out for Houses with Rooster Feet next Thursday as we look for the amazing witch cryptid, Baba Yaga. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are MythMonsters Podcast and the Twitter is MythMonstersPod. But all of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later babes.